0: This week, we talk about the greatest organized crime institution of all time, the Federal Reserve.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Swerve Podcast. It's your co host, Izzo. I'm also joined by Magnum here. What's up, everyone? If you're a first-time
0: listener and you're wondering what you've stumbled across, we're the Swerve Podcast, and we are two random dudes on a mission to understand everything in the universe, one obscure topic at a time. So our premise here is very simple. Every week, we pick a listener-requested topic, something that swerves off the mainstream path, hence the name of the podcast. We research it, then discuss it on the fly during the podcast. But before we get into today's topic,
1: I think, Izzo, you have some words to share, I do and it's that we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Swerve Podcast. Very simple here. We have two tiers. We have a $1 Ride the Wave tier. What that gives you is access to all of our monthly Patreon-exclusive episodes that we release. So for $1, you can have that entire bank. I think we're at like 25 episodes, something like that. For the $3 tier, the Slap the Ass tier, uh, it'll give you access to those bonus episodes. It'll give you shout-outs on the podcast, but you will also receive both the main episode and the Patreon episode a few days before everyone else. So you'll receive them on Sundays rather than our typical drop time of Wednesdays. We also have a tradition on this podcast. We should uh, maybe get into that too. Yeah. We like to drink on the podcast, experiment with different drinks, uh, take some uh, listener recommended drinks and try them out. Um, But most of the time we're just pretty basic and we just like to drink while we record. Makes it fun, makes it, Enjoyable little escape for the weekday. Uh, so for myself, very basic right now. I've got a gin and coke zero. So that's what I nice. have my fridge. Yeah, nice. What about you? What are you drinking? Yeah, I actually have some
0: different uh, shenanigans going on. I have a uh, what is this? This is a Hires root beer. It's a root beer vodka beverage. Um, it's actually quite. It's pretty good. It tastes kind of like um, like.
1: The a style root beer. Yeah. But there's vodka in it. Nice. Looks like you're... Uh, so look forward to your posts on Instagram. With okay, I don't have stickers. the stickers. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Photoshop um, it in. Yeah, actually, I probably could. Uh, but I do have another specialty. This was interesting. So you know those Arizona iced teas? Yeah. You can get that with vodka.
1: Did you I know. know that? I've had them before and like different flavors. Not a fan. Not a fan.
0: Oh, well, I don't know. I haven't opened it. We'll see. I thought it was interesting. I was like, holy fuck, it has vodka.
1: <laughs> so I. <laughs> it's I not $1.99 it. or $1.29, whatever it is. No, it's right? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, I mean, hey,
0: that's a good segue into the topic With what they were used to be 99 cents. Now I think they're $45 for a fucking Arizona iced tea. Jesus Christ. <laughs> God <That's> damn.
1: <laughs> On the can it just says $45. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're like they're like $150 Canadian <laughs> for, for, for a an can Arizona iced tea. iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, maybe that's that's a good segue in today's topic. Um, let's just hop right into the basics. This is like, OK, I want before we start talking about it, we did have a this was a listener voted on topic. So Izzo released a topic on our Instagram or I'm, I'm fucking drunk already. <laughs> apparently uh, we had an Instagram poll. And out of the three topics that were there, this one received the most. It was close, but uh, this one took the cake. So shout out to everybody who voted. And uh, for everybody else, if you want to vote on topics, uh, in addition to just suggesting them in our DMs, you can do topic voting on our Instagram. Uh, So keep keep your eyes peeled for that.
1: Yeah, I like this uh, idea of having the listeners vote in. Um, lets us know like what we should do next, because we have a list of topics, and it's very hard to choose just the two of us of what to do next, but you know when we actually get some data behind what people want to listen to, uh, makes it a lot easier for us. Yeah. So before I start rattling through the
0: basics of today's topic, the Federal Reserve, I, wanted, I, I have to shout out this guy. This is an author. His name's Eric Yakes. He wrote this book. it's called "The Seventh Property." And I used this as a, a very important resource for structuring today's topic. So I wanted to shout that out because that's, like, one of the main citations. I mean, like, a lot of the topics we do come from, like, you know, random internet pages and, like, crystallinks.com and shit. Yeah,
1: This
0: one is, like, no, I actually, like, have some um, – pr- I, I wouldn't guess primary literature is not the right phrase, but a better source – Material and it was really good, so I just wanted to shout that out. If anybody's list interested in further uh, research after this, but okay, so for me, Federal Reserve, we should say like we're Canadian. We don't have anything to do with uh, this central banking system in the United States. But the thing that's interesting, because the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency, anything the Federal Reserve does ultimately affects everything. So like honestly what the federal reserve is doing like the bank of canada just kind of like follows what they do like essentially and so does like all the other central banks so like my point being is although we're canadian like we do see the ramifications of the fed's actions you know just it's just just by being in proxy um now the thing so if If it's not clear already, the Federal Reserve, this is the central banking system of the United States of America. And basically, it's a system, there's 12 private banks across the US. Uh, They're all a part of the Federal Reserve. So there's like, it's not like one giant bank, there's like 12 sections, but they're all considered the Fed. And there's this, they're governed by a board of officials, that's literally handpicked by the United States government. So, as we get through this topic, we're going to uncover a lot of crazy shit. Um, you might have a changed perspective on how important the monetary system is and who has control of it. But, like, there is some crazy shit that we're going to uncover, and we're going to go through it. But, like, already, that already is, like, kind of a conflict of interest. Like, the institution that controls the money supply is hand-picked by the U.S. government?
1: Hmm. Well, interesting. Way, like, the president or the government controls the fiscal policies that get put in place for those four years or whatever.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting
0: because they're supposed to be separate institutions, but it's really it's really not. And we're going to get into that
1: way more in depth as we get to this. It is supposed to act like a check and balance. Like if the president wants to do something, you're supposed to like, okay, balance it out. And everybody has like, that's yeah. how it's supposed to work essentially,' so nobody has yeah. complete power and control. yeah when the government it's is asking cheating. for yeah. four trillion dollars,
0: they're supposed to say no yeah. <laughs> <We're not>. <laughs> <laughs> um but that's clearly not the case, and that's clearly not what happened and let's get, we gotta get we'll we'll get into this because and I should say I'm gonna have a lot of personal biases that come through on this one i try we try to do everything with uh what would you say like from an unbiased perspective, kind of from like a research stance, but some topics are just like, I don't know, you have, you, you have like a passion about it or there's just something about it that resonates with you. And this is for me, the monetary system. Holy fuck. That gets me fired up when it makes <laughs> me so angry. So I'm going to try to keep it together, but I'm also drinking vodka root beers and uh, we'll see. So <laughs> this was founded on December 23rd, 1913 by the federal reserve act. So uh, two days before Christmas, we, uh, <laughs> the aristocracy had probably one of the best Christmas presents they could ever have, the institution of the central bank. The stated goal of the Federal Reserve is to, quote, provide the nation with a safer, more flexible, and more stable monetary and financial system, end quote. Please, listeners, remember this quote at all times as we are talking. I'm going to read it again because this is the stated goal of the Federal Reserve. Quote, to provide the nation with a safer, more flexible, and more stable monetary and financial system. End quote. Now, as we get through the topic, and even in the basics, I'm going to pepper some facts out. We're going to see that this is probably not the goal, and probably can't even be the goal. Um, but let's 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 get into this. So, since the Federal Reserve's inception, it has presided over the following economic recessions: the recession of 1921, the recession of 1929. 1937, 1945, 1949, 1954, 1957, 1960, 1969, 1975, 1981, 1987, 1990, 2001, 2007, 2020, and currently the present 2022 contraction, it's not officially as of recording this a recession yet, but one more economic quarter of a negative GDP, we're going to be officially in a recession the technical term of a recession two consecutive quarters of negative GDP right now we're at one quarter of negative GDP one more and we are in recession so what is that that's like 17 recessions wow that's that sounds pretty safe that sounds pretty fucking stable (laughs) it sounds like a great financial system to be a part of huh interesting 17 okay thanks Federal Reserve Um, every like three to nine years they're just like ah fuck (laughs) (laughs) we did it again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dude, boom and bust cycle, man. That's <laughs> it, beyond the scope of what we're going to talk about today. But man, it's, it's uh yeah, okay. Let's uh, Here's another fun fact. So the value of one U.S. dollar or USD has plummeted by 96% since the inception of the Federal Reserve. So, okay, so we, we have a stable, safer, more flexible financial system. That means if you had a million dollars in... Let's just say you had a mil- like your grandparents had a million dollars saved and they passed it on and like through inheritance. That million dollars in 1913 would now be worth $40,000 in today's purchasing power. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Federal Reserve. So how, why, how is that stable? We have all these recessions, these economic collapses, and a complete debasement of the, <laughs> the world reserve currency, like the world's reserve currency. It gets completely debased. And we'll get into why that's the case. Um, chiefly through the printing of money, but that'll become clear as we move through shit. Now, I also want to say, uh, this is a fun fact that a lot of people don't know and it'll blow their minds. In so in 2021 slash 2022, this is kind of, well, 2020 as well, this is like through the Cervasus sickness crisis, um, the Federal Reserve created 40, approximately 40% of all the US dollars in existence since its inception in 1913. So to say that another way, that means 40% of all U.S. dollars were created out of thin air in approximately two years. Does that not just blow your fucking mind? Is that yeah. even, is that even a, allowed? <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> I mean, we're here, so I guess it's allowed. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, that is a crazy stat. Yeah. So like
0: statistically speaking, it's like, I don't know, like it's just, it's not quite the majority, but it's like almost a majority of U.S. dollars were made just into a, two, a period of
1: two years. Just Yeah. It <laughs> must have been uh, busy at the printing press.
0: <laughs> oh, man, it's 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 insane. Um, <laughs> oh, Canada, Canada is we're not like we printed a fuckload of money too. not as much as the U.S., but we have a way smaller economy. Like we have like 30 million people versus like 300 million. Yeah. But we, we, we abused our, um, our money printer as well. But anyways, um, I also want to say, so even in recent times, like the federal reserve, Jerome Powell, the chair of the federal reserve right now, he was saying that inflation was transitory. This inflation crisis that many nations are facing. Um, we're at like four to five decade highs. They're like, Oh, don't worry. Like, it's transitory. It's like, clearly it's fucking not, <laughs> you know, like, so like my point being, it's like, you have these expert economists, they're the best economists, they're Harvard grads, Pr- Princeton grads. And they're like, our all of our data and all of our theory, it's transitory or like, it's not even going to happen. And it's like, clearly you're just wrong. Like you're just, yeah. How can you get it so wrong? The reason you're getting it so wrong is because you don't give a shit. Like that's not the objective. The goal is not to have this stability in this and that. Um, And we'll get into it. It's more likely um like a, it's more it's more likely a, a power positioning thing and this will become very very clear when we get through this um even right now like i said we're probably going to be heading into a recession like stock markets are crashing a lot of bubbles are bursting especially um in the crypto space um people can laugh at that but like you know like the, those those were bubbles similar to the dot com um era like the early 2000s when bubbles burst it's it's the same shit and a lot of it is as we'll get through this, do doing to the expansion of the, the money supply, just willy-nilly, freed money out of thin air for government expenditure, um, or those closest to the money spigot. Now, basically, just to put this in short while we're in the basics, I want to get through it. The Fed finances the US government by literally creating money out of thin air. Um, basically, this money creation, this is exacerbating boom and bust cycles, which Again, that's going to be beyond the scope of what we get into, but through this, you get inflationary periods um, because there's more dollars chasing the same amount of goods. It's not like all of a sudden the US economy became two times more productive or there was two times, like we just found like natural reserves of natural resources. Like, you know, it's not like the GDP just increased. It's the same amount of shit, but there's just more dollars chasing the same amount of shit. So prices increase. The issue with this, like you might think, oh, what's the big deal? Like, I'm, I don't even notice. Well, yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you have a stable job and, like, good income and, like, you know, you're good with your finances, you're, you're fine. But the issue is the people at the edges of society are affected by the most by inflation. People living on the margins already, they're fucked. They're completely fucked. Like, they, they can't handle these, these increases. Like, the, the price of energy is, like, double. So my point being is, put this another way, the government issues debt to fund its expenses and the Fed buys it. So to put this another way, so it's even more clear, the Fed creates money by pushing buttons on a keyboard, buying government assets that otherwise would not be purchased. And this is a way for the government to literally create money out of thin air. And it allows them to do this, if they have this arrangement, between the Fed buying like shitty government assets that no one else would buy like ever. By doing this arrangement, it keeps the actions constitutional. Because if you, were, if you didn't have this separate entity, the Fed, if it was a part of the government, which it's technically, it technically is, but it's technically not, you couldn't have this because then it would just be the government um, financing itself, which would be unconstitutional. So they have this arrangement where the government's like, hey, we need money, but we'll pay you back. So they they, they 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 the Fed buys shitty like government bonds from the government and the government uses that money that the Fed gives them to fund whatever they need to fund. Um, sometimes that funding you could there's very good arguments for it, but a lot of times there's like fucking corruption and backdoor deals going in that you couldn't even believe. Not a lot of times, like every single time. It's like, you know what I mean? Hmm. Like, of that $4 trillion, like, yeah, there was probably people that needed that. And they're, they're needed, um, you know, through that crisis, there was there was needs that needed to be met. But, you know, here we go. Here we are. So I know that's not very thorough, but the way that's basically the, the, the arrangement between the two entities. Is that clear enough? Or should we linger here for a moment before we go through the basics
1: more? No, I think that makes sense. Like, you, there was a need to create this Federal Reserve so the actions become constitutional, so it's not the government funding itself. And the way they do yeah. it is buying bonds. Yeah,
0: it's a private or an yeah. institution that issues money. It just happens to be all, all appointed by the U.S. government and does exactly what the U.S. government says.
1: And the Federal Reserve <laughs> is is the only thing that can print the money? Yes. Okay.
0: It's the only thing that can issue U.S.
1: dollars. It's the only institution. So That's why it's the central bank. They're funding purchases, expenditures with monopoly money pretty much, and then we bear the cost.
0: Exactly. That's, that's the inflationary aspect because whatever money is created, the government can buy goods or services at today's purchasing power. Whereas the rest of us, when that money permeates through society and the supply of money increases, but it, there's still the same amount of goods and services available, we all bear the burden of inflation. Hmm. So essentially, when the Federal Reserve prints money, you can think of it like a hidden tax. Um, it's, because here's, here's, there's two strategies. If, you, if you're a government and you have, say, you need a million dollars, as an example, you could raise that money through taxation which will never work because you're not going to get elected again. People, you know, there'll be revolts. Like people don't like more taxes. Like no one's screaming for more taxes. <laughs> <laughs> or or if you have a central bank who controls is a monopoly on the money supply, you can just be like, hey, central bank, like here's some shitty government bonds. Can you create new dollars? And I'll just buy what I need, that million, a million new dollars worth of shit today. And then as that million dollars permeates through society, Because, you know, say, say you bought, say you bought government trucks, those businesses that made the trucks now have that extra money, and they're going to spend that money on their, on their families, on entertainment, on their utilities, then that goes to those institutions, and it permeates through society. So there's more dollars in the system. And then, then you have this inflationary period. So you can see it's not quite, money printing is not free. We all suffer the burden it's a hidden tax because our purchasing power is destroyed and the people at the margins of society their lives are literally quite quite literally ruined in a lot of cases because they just they, they're on the margins like they can't handle a 10% in, increase in you know the consumer price index which is all the consumer price index is another it's fucking it's barely real it's barely real they manipulate <laughs> the basket of goods <sighs> Anyways, maybe we don't even need to get into that, but the point is we can kind of see the arrangement here. Hey, I think like when it prints money, it's, 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 it's not good. Yeah. And it it's, it's usually for the gov- benefit of um, the central planners composed of the government and society suffers it as a burden. That's kind of the main point here. I think. Um, Now, uh, I have some other more things. So like I was saying, the te- the Fed uh, is technically separate from the U.S. government, but the board members of the Fed, they are appointed by the government. And <laughs> this is crazy. The government receives 99% of the profits of the Federal Reserve. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's something. In, okay, so in 2019... The U.S. Treasury received $55 billion. And this technically made the U.S. Treasury the most profitable company in the world. (laughs) Wow. And they just created, they're creating it out of thin air. It's not, it's fake. And it's siphoning our energy. Any amount, so you earn dollars. You worked a job today, we're talking about it. You put in time, you put in hours. So you traded your labor for dollars. And essentially, the, the central bank can just create money, and it siphons the value of the labor that you put in. Say you put in a bunch of labor, let's and let's just say you made $1,000. Now, like you didn't, that, that labor that you exchanged for 1000 is going to be worth less every time the Federal Reserve or a central bank prints money. So it's siphoning your labor away to fund whatever the government needs. It's a hidden taxation and it's, it's making this, it's the most profitable company, like, like quotations company in the world. Fucked up, man. And here's something, like, maybe I can ask you like, this isn't common knowledge. I don't think like, do people like, have you heard, like you maybe heard, cause I'm always fucking rambling about shit, but like, this isn't like common. Like you don't hear this at discussed at dinner tables or with friends and family. Like no one's like, yeah, it, It's not
1: discussed in layman terms. Like we just put it out there. Like even in finance classes, it's like, oh, inflation is just the same basket of goods. But for more money, it's like, okay, who gives a fuck about the basket of goods? Tell me how it affects my life day to day. Uh, But this is, yeah, this lays it out perfectly. And yeah, I don't think it is common knowledge, at least not in this way. Like you might talk about inflation and this guy's... Like even with your family, they're like, oh yeah, like everything's more expensive. We don't know why. Yeah. That's, that's usually how the conversation goes.
0: And usually there's scapegoats involved. Like anytime there's a major expansion of the money supply, there's always, there's always a crisis. Cerveza,
1: sickness.
0: Yeah. Cerveza. They're like Putin, this, that, that, like Mm. there's always something. Um, But it's not, and it's like maybe partially true, but it's like, it's so fake. (laughs) It's yeah. like it's like a little true, but it's like it's like the, the old saying we always say that maybe isn't an old saying, but never let a good crisis go to waste. It's it's <laughs> anytime there's a crisis, check your central bank, I'm sure and check the, the bonds that are being issued by your government. I'm sure there's a fuckload being issued, being bought by whatever central bank controls your nation's monetary supply. Um, it's different for different countries, but the Federal Reserve, because like I said, World Reserve currency of the world, it affects the most people. Yeah. So I have a quote from Milton Friedman. This is a Nobel laureate economist. And he said the following in uh, regards to the Federal Reserve. He said,
1: quote, Throughout its history, the Fed has proclaimed that it was using its powers to promote economic stability. But the record does not support this claim. On the contrary, the Fed has been a major source of instability. End quote. So...
0: Essentially, like the Federal Reserve is basically just conducting experiments, but with the largest economy in the world and the most integrated financial system, they're just they're just doing whatever the fuck they want, and we don't have a say. Um, now, more likely, as I was saying, like we said, the goal of the Fed was to like create stability and make things safer and flexible. Blah 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 blah. Essentially, I mean, the goal of the cr- creating the Federal Reserve and maintaining the Federal Reserve, really, it seems like it's more to centralize and maintain power structures. And I have some quotes in regards to this. The first is by this guy, um, Mayor Anselm Rothschild in 1790. He said,
1: quote, permit me to issue and control the money of a nation and I care not who makes its laws. End quote.
0: The other quote I have is from Henry Kissinger. Um, and he said the following, he said, quote,
1: Who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. End quote. So,
0: very interesting. It it does seem, like I said, is it is it to create financial stability or is this to maintain a power structure? Because if you can control the money, the base unit of the glue of society, <laughs> you're fucking powerful, man. I, I mean, like, if I had a money print, if I could just anytime I wanted money, I could just print it and just go use it and have everyone else suffer the consequence except myself. Huh. You know, like, yeah. That's pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, <It's> ultimate power. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, So we're going to be coming out of the basics now, and we're going to get into uh, some some more in-depth shit. But I want to say, just to prime how this topic is going to go, I am not going to discuss the economics of how the Federal Reserve operates or how it functions in the economy. So, I'm not going to talk about it's like monetary policy tools, like discount windows or open market operations or all this other shit that someone who is familiar with economics might expect, because that's like really shitty. It's going to be like an economics lecture. But I want to instead outline how the Federal Reserve was created, as we'll see, by the aristocracy to enable control of the money supply. As we just said, these quotes highlighted if you control the money, you control the world. And we're going to see why i think this thesis makes more sense than (laughs) the opposite of creating a more stable financial system before we continue the episode if you're enjoying our podcast it was created of thin air just like your continually debased currency the people you hang out with probably will too Do us a solid and please pass on this episode to your social media friends on Facebook, Twitter, or other platforms. We would definitely appreciate your support. I'd also like to take this time to shout out some of our valued listeners. A bunch of shout outs to our awesome social media community this week. Shout out to the Moth Boys podcast for sharing us around on Instagram. These fellows are awesome. Shout out to Beans for becoming an instant fan and starting all the way back at episode one. Shout out to Brandy Lynn for the kind words and topic recommendation. I hope we can make your road trips more enjoyable. Also shout out to Mr. Leo for the kind words and topic suggestions. Glad you enjoyed the Liminal Spaces episode. Also, shout out to Nancy on Instagram for DMing us cool topics and the awesome words of support. We're awesome, and we're wishing you luck with your book. Lastly, shout out to Colton Schnabel for the words of encouragement. To everyone else, please feel free to slide in those DMs and submit your topic or drink recommendations. May good karma and vibes be with all of you. Back to the show. Now, to get into this, we're going to go through the history of fucking money and we're going to go through the history of banking. And this is going to seem unrelated initially when we're talking about money cuz like you know what is money? Like we we think we think we use it. We don't really understand it. We know we earn it. We trade our labor for it um you know. But like we need to honestly, we need to understand what it is so we can understand the fucking purpose of what the Federal Reserve is doing. So to get into this, this is this is going to be um we're going to be going down some rabbit holes here for a minute, but I'm going to try to go through this as succinctly as I can. The first thing I want to say about money when we ask what is money, this is a, think of it as a technology. This is helps me think about it. If I think of it as a technology, it's a, it's a primitive technology, but it is a technology nonetheless. It's a technology that facilitates human coordination, and human coordination is the foundation of a society. So essentially, like... It is the bedrock of a civilization because if we have something to measure the value of our labor and we can exchange it, we can then coordinate better. So you can form societies, you can form civilizations. It allows for, it's called, it eliminates for the coincidence of wants. So like if I make shoes and Izzo makes pants and I want shoes and Izzo, or sorry, I want pants and Izzo wants shoes, we could, we'd have a coincidence of wants and we could trade. But if we don't, we can't trade. So if you have a, an abstraction of that, you have this technology that we call money, you can eliminate that. And we can all agree on this economic unit of value to trade. Seems really basic right now, but, but keep this principle in mind because we're going to go fucking deep here for a minute. Now, the other thing it does, this human coordination, the technical terms are, it allows for specialization and the division of labor. So. Izzo can get really, really good at making pants and I can get really, really good at making shoes. And then someone else can get really, really good at making homes or cutting lumber. And I don't have to be good at all those things. I can just trade my labor and what I'm good at and get really good at it. And then everyone gets better shoes. Likewise, if Izzo specializes in pants, we all get better pants because he's specializing in it. So the the, the quality of productivity and product and services increases. And it allows us to divide our labor among things. And then we can just trade this economic unit, this money, this, this primitive technology that we can use. And this, this is how society you can have massive societies form and the advancement of civilizations if you can if you can have this economic coordination through money. So think of it like a glue that's holding civilization together. Now, where this gets important, that all might seem trivial. Like it, it's that's not like really that crazy. But this gets important because what we decide money is really, really matters. And the, the next things I'm going to say, when we start talking about the Federal Reserve and how in the past central banks and banking systems used gold and how we now do not use gold as a foundation, we use what's called a fiat currency. We're going to explain that later. But that distinction, you cannot understand that distinction and why it's so important if you don't understand what money is. And how it was chosen, so we kind of know what it is now, right? It's this glue, it's a technology like that. Kind of makes sense. I think that makes sense. Yeah, like I makes don't sense. did I explain that? That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, the thing is, it's like, okay, how do you choose this technology? Like, if we have this money, that's a technology. Like, why, like, why do we use like cash? Like, what the fuck is cash? Like, what, it, what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, it could be anything. Now, yeah. there's many examples in the past that money was. It's been seashells. It's been glass beads used in West Africa. It's been rye stones at Yap Island. It's been fucking salt. People used salt as money. People used cattle as money. People used tobacco as money. Now, the thing is, through thousands of years of trial and error, all societies up until our present day converged on gold as their form of money. Now, is that just a coincidence? Like, why, why, the, why did we choose gold? Like, why literally all societies, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, the Byzantine Empire, e- every society converged on gold. And there's a reason for that. There's a very thorough reason. I now, love
1: gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yeah, like Goldfinger from Austin Powers. Just that's yeah, it's just good shit. Um, it, but so, just recall that money. I like thinking of it like a technology. It makes it makes it easier for me to understand. Now, there's certain characteristics of money that make a good money and a bad money. So let, let's. I'm gonna say them and then we're gonna explain them. There's scarcity, durability, recognizability, portability, and divisibility. These properties, if you can attain those properties, you can have good money or bad. Now, to give, give this an example of this, I mentioned that like the glass beads were used in West Africa um, in the past as, as the monetary unit that people exchanged. Now, the reason that like that's, you know, that worked, but what's what happened in West Africa, people actually came in like the Europeans and they're like, oh, these guys are just using like glass beads to like make as their money. They're like, we can make these back home because in West Africa, it was very difficult to make glass beads. So they used it as money because it was scarce. But now it wasn't scarce because the Europeans came in and they are like, they just flooded with these counterfeit glass beads and they completely caused massive inflation. The economy collapses because you destroyed the money. So mm. the point that I'm trying to make is like, you can use anything as money, but if it doesn't fulfill these properties, it will fail. People used cattle as money they're scarce they're durable per se like unless it dies it's recognizable we can all agree that this is a cattle and this you know we know how difficult you know ranching is the issue is it's not divisible (laughs) like i can only trade so much for a cattle so it doesn't work well it's also not very portable so like i can only transact locally i can't transact regionally so it loses out salt was actually a good money because it was very portable it was divisible it was recognizable. Like everyone needed salt. People use salt for, you know, preparing foods and stuff. It was a commodity money, but it's not very durable, <laughs> and it's not very it's not very scarce. It's a little yeah. bit scarce, <laughs> but it's not very scarce. So it fails. Um, does that what I'm saying make sense? Like thing anything can be money, but it if it doesn't have the correct properties, it will fail because, well, because it's just it's subpar money. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense.
0: Yeah. So the point where I'm driving with all of this is all of society converged on gold. The reason we converged on gold is because gold still to this day, scarce as fuck. Scarcity might be the most important property of a money. Scarcity. Gold is scarce. Even today, even today with all the mining, gold mining that gets done, we only increase the gold supply by about two percent a year. Still to this day. Because it's very difficult to find. Gold is literally an element that came out of exploding stars and embeds itself in the crust of the earth. That's where it comes from. Like, it doesn't just get created on earth. It's like literally from exploded stars, (laughs) like just through the history of time that embed itself in the crust. Like, it's very scarce. Yeah. So no one can print it. Like, what happened in West Africa when they make these glass beads collapse the economy? Um, And there's many examples of monetary systems where that happened. You can't do that with gold. Like, how are you going to... You can't just go make more gold you can go mine more gold, but good luck. Like, you can only get so much. It's, you, it's very, very scarce. Yeah. Other thing, extremely durable. We're talking, this is an element. Like, on the periodic table. Like, it's elementary. Like, are you going to split the atom? Like, you, that's like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't destroy it. It doesn't yeah. rust. It doesn't decay. You can melt shit down. You can, it's very, very durable. It's a metal. It's a fucking metal. So it's just better. It's, it's better than salt. It's not going to, you can't just dissolve it it's recognizable you can verify if it's real you can counterfeit it but like you at the end of the day you can verify it it has a weight it has a density you know like they put it in the water and see how much it dispels and like there's things you can do to verify it um it's relatively portable because you can make coins out of it and things like this um but in major transactions as we'll see it does portability can be an issue but you know people transacted with coins and stuff you can transact regionally locally the other thing, it's divisible. You can melt it down into smaller, bigger units. Um, you can't do that with a cow. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so the point is, all societies they all converge on gold because it's stable. It works. It's you can't fuck with it. You can't print more of it. You can't destroy it. You, um, it, it, it just works. It's got these properties. So that's why society converges on gold. And. The next thing I want to say, I, I, I made a little point that like the portability of it kind of sucks. It's heavy. It's a metal. If you need a lot of it, it's hard to transport. Let's say you have to like transport like across like an ocean or, or a sea. It's going to be very, very expensive to move gold. Now, so the point I'm going to make next is despite that this is an amazing monetary technology to use because it's, it's hard to corrupt, because it lacked portability, people started using third-party custodians to store their gold so instead of say i'm a very wealthy man and i have like it's just just you know i have 500 million dollars in gold <laughs> i can't carry that and like protect it it's not very easy for me to do so so i need to rely on like a vault someone who specializes in protection so these third party custodians start emerging in societies and you store your gold and what they do they they give you a receipt redeemable in gold So instead of going around transacting raw gold, I go around now with a set of receipts that I transact. That eliminates the portability problem because I don't have to carry all the gold. I can just have paper as a receipt. Does that that make sense? Yeah. So we've solved by using a third party custodian, we solve the portability issue. But there is a third party involved now. And we're going to see how that can be corrupted. But essentially, you can think of the cash we use now like that's how cash emerged. Originally, it was just these receipts and they were redeemable in gold because you had a third party custodian, a bank who specializes in protection that you could redeem gold, which we all agree through thousands of years was a superior form of monetary technology. You could redeem it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. So this is how it arised. It was these receipts from these third party custodians. And I imagine,
1: like, like you said, it took thousands of years to kind of trust system and then the system just kinda snowballs where of course we're gonna trust banks. Like what else are we gonna use? But before yeah. I imagine like the first like custodian, it's like fuck you, you're not gonna store my gold for me. It was just like kings that like had gold and they would yeah. tax the crops and then sell those crops for more gold and whatever they needed. Exactly. It's it's good you mentioned
0: that because like they uh Part of the part of the reason it wasn't just the portability issue that people used third party custodians. It was because governments or kings or monarchs or whatever the institutions were, they were seizing people's gold, like appropriating it. Yeah. So people were like, you know, I'm fucking sick of this. I'm just going to trust this guy who specializes in protection to house my wealth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like the fact that governments were have were then and still are behaving in these maniacal ways. It's always been a problem. Like, um, okay, so essentially now we're using receipts that are backed by gold. People have probably heard the term "backed by gold," but now we can understand like when you say something's backed by gold, it makes sense. Now the reason it's we have something backed by gold is because of the properties gold has as a monetary technology. That's why it's backed. That's why we agree on it, and we're just using the receipts because it's easier, we can avoid government appropriation, and then we, the portability issue solved. So um, I also want to say, where am I on this? I lost myself in my notes. Uh, so the point, the point here that's important, the innovation, um, this, this receipt backed by gold is kind of an innovation. The only reason that this is good, it is only good if the third-party custodians could be trusted. So wherever you're housing the gold, <laughs> you now have third party risk, counterparty risk. So as long as you can trust that institution to house the gold, the money, you're okay. Now, what do we think happens? Like, can't you, we just put all of our gold in one place and we're just going to trust that it, it 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 nothing goes crazy? No, we're not. It went fucking crazy. It went fucking crazy. So what we can think of now. The history of what happened. Essentially, we've created banks. They're specialists in protection. They house the gold, and you can redeem the gold from them. Um, and as long as you trust that they're not fucking with the money, the gold, you're okay. But what did they do? The the third party gold custodians, um, they became wealthy as fuck because they created a banking system that uses a method called fractional reserve banking. Have people probably have heard, have you heard this term before? Fractional reserve banking. No, no, I haven't. okay this is this is insane, and this is how our entire banking system works to the, today, but even worse, because it's not backed by gold anymore. <laughs> with fractional reserve banking, <laughs> it's like it's literally self-contradictory because what happens is, maybe it's best to say it with uh, an example. So like let's say let's say is you you had a hundred one ounce gold coins, and you put them in, let's just say gold, a, a gold custodian. And you're like, okay, they're going to protect my 100 ounces of gold coins. And you, you pay them a storage fee, like every year or something to protect your gold. So they make a little bit of money on the storage fee. But then they're like, hey, you know what, like, I have, we have all this gold and it's not just Izzo that gave us gold. It's this other guy. He wants me to protect the gold. This guy wants me to protect the gold. That guy wants me to protect his gold. So you have like hundreds or thousands of people all putting in gold. And you're only, the only way you're making money is because you're charging a storage fee. So the gold custodians were like, hey, you know what? I want to be, make more money and we control the gold. So like, why the fuck not? So they start engaging in fractional reserve banking. So what that means, <laughs> Izzo put in 100 gold coins. And let's say nine other people put in 100 gold coins. So we have like 1,000 gold coins in total in the system. They're just going to lend out. And you guys all have receipts. So those you have receipts and the other nine people have receipts. And you can redeem it for your gold if you need, the 100 ounces. But what the gold custodian does is they lend out, they create a, another... Receipt. You think of it like it's not even a real. It's a real receipt. It's a fake receipt, and they're like, let's just put another receipt out for nine hundred ounces in gold, and just hope that the original ten people don't all come back for the gold. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. Right. If you if you there's there's like one thousand nine hundred receipts for gold issued, but there's only a thousand pieces of gold one ounce coins in the gold custodians' vaults. So there's more claims on gold then there is gold yeah <laughs> it's, mm. and the reason that they do that is because if you loan out the money this gold receipt you can charge interest on it and make more money so now you're you're getting a storage fee but you're also getting this interest fee and not only that like if you just make gold receipts and you're like hey i think this is a good investment opportunity over here let's go buy like Let's go buy this like village housing unit because we think it's going to be worth money. You just make gold receipts and go buy it and then hope that there's not a run on your institution. You just hope that the thousands of people that have gold Mm -hmm. with you don't all come at once. Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) Well, it doesn't make sense, but uh, it does make sense as to why they would do it and how they did it. It's it's pretty much just banking right now. Like they only have 10% of the value of the money actually. With them, 90% is just, hey, we have yeah. it. Trust Dude, us. it's even less. It's even less. It's yeah. like 0.2% now. It's, it's oh, wow. fucking
0: <laughs> madness. It's fucking madness. Like, it's, it's madness. I don't <laughs> even know what else to say. Like, I'm like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. Like, the banking system is so fucking fragile, it hurts. And not only that, like, as we'll get into this, our banking system isn't even backed by anything. It's backed by debt. Yeah. So like at least this system, there was real gold. Like there was something, there was an asset. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, so these, these gold custodians, they're just becoming rich as fuck because they're like, Hey, like, they're like, what are the chances? Like everyone's going to want their gold and they're right. Like most people won't all need gold at once. So they start lending out and their reserves that like, they might be like, Oh, you know what? We're only going to lend out. We're going to keep 90% reserves. So we'll only lend out an extra 10%. And then they're like, you know what? We made a lot of money doing that. We're only going to keep 80% reserves. And they lend out 20 and they make yeah. more money. And they're, like, and they're like, you know what? We're gonna... And then it gets down to like now, like I was saying, like it's like 0.2%. <laughs> it's like everything's lent out. And it's, it's, it's it even more insidious than that. There's a money multiplier effect. We don't even need to get into it too deep. But let's say you took out a loan for 900 Um, So you were the guy that took out the extra 900 in our example, and you put it in another bank. That bank now has 900 more in their reserves, but they didn't get gold. It was just the receipt. They have a claim for 900. And then they might be like, of that 900, let's lend out 90% of that. So they lend out like 810 to someone else. And that guy puts it in his bank. And then that bank's like, well, we'll lend out 90% of that. So it's like 790 goes, you know what I mean? It just goes. It just goes through the system. Like, so you have all this debt creation, even more claims on stuff that doesn't exist. Mm. So this is like when people, the 2008s, when the, all the banks collapsed and the government had to print money to bail out all the big banks. That's what happened. It was just this yeah. system where it's completely fragile. Uh, it's, it's insane. Uh, but maybe I, I can digress. That's what fractional reserve banking is. And that's how it started. That, that, I think the the history there kind of, we can kind of see how it starts. It's like, you start with like everyone testing money and then they're like, Oh, yeah. gold's good. And then they're like, the Kings keep stealing our fucking gold and I don't want to carry it around. So then you get like custodians and they give receipts and then they're like, well, we're just going to issue more receipts than there are actual gold. Because <laughs> and why everything not? Goes right? to shit. Yeah. Cause <laughs> why not? Like we can, Um, so this, this leads to a ton of fiascos. There's more claims on money than there is actual money. So you get these runs on banks and you have these very fragile systems that get created. And like our entire modern banking system is like this, these are lessons learned in like the 1600s. Like this is not like new and we still do this. Like we still fucking do this. This isn't a new thing. Now, the reason we do it is because it's profitable and you can maintain power, but what also happened simultaneously as these gold custodians were engaging in fractional reserve banking governments learned they're like hey let's get our fucking dick in this (laughs) like you know (laughs) what i mean like (laughs) like what these fucking gold custodians are like they're just like banging all this shit and like going haywire like let's just fucking why aren't we getting a piece of this so governments learned that if they could, remember, there's more claims on the gold than there is. In our example, we had $1,000, sorry, 1,000 gold coins, but there was 1,900 issued. There's more claims than there are reserves. Governments were just like, well, what if we just eliminate the claims on the reserves? Then could we use this scheme to our advantage and finance our government spending? That's exactly what they fucking did. This is how the system of central banking was born. It, became, it was a mechanism to create money backed by debt instead of gold. And this allowed people, governments to finance their spending. So you can think of it, there was a partnership created between governments and these central custodians because they're, they're, they had aligned incentives in a sense. So the government wants to fund their shit. Their only method at the time, like I was saying earlier, they can tax people more, but no one's going to pay more taxes. Like say this government's like, oh, we got to go invade this country so that like we can have more money because we're in the aristocracy. The the citizens aren't going to want to invade that country. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they're not going to fund that. But if you can just create money, you can just fund it. You don't need the okay of the citizens. So the government wants to fund shit, but taxation is difficult. And creating money is easier. So they're like, let's just coordinate with these banks. And the banks, the fractional reserve system, they're making fucking, they're banging money, man. They want to keep (laughs) going. They want to be profitable. But they're sick of their stupid system collapsing. They're like, we keep making all this money, but everything keeps collapsing. How are we going to do this? And then they're like, oh, the government, you guys want to fund your shit? I want to keep my system because we're making bank. So they collude. The government backs the claims by decreeing Central banks, they decree that that receipt is legal tender. They back it by debt. They don't back it by anything real or anything agreed upon. They just back it by, they're like, yeah, we'll just cover it. Like, that's just debt. And you can trust us. We're the government. We can tax our citizen base. If we ever need to pay back our debts, you can trust us. It's risk-free. And that's called the risk-free rate. Yeah. People believe. They're like, oh, if you buy government bonds and shit, like, it's risk-free. It's like, eh. I guess, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. they, There's the incentives align, and this is why governments advocate for central banking like so ferociously and why it's completely consumed everything. Because like we said earlier, this allows you to control the money supply. So what happens through all of this, we get what's called a fiat currency system emerges. This is a, the current monetary system we use. The reason it's called fiat is instead of choosing money based on like sound properties, like we were discussing, like scarcity, durability, recognizability, divisibility, and portability, instead of money emerging naturally as like in the market, we force it. We force it. We say that it's backed by government debt now. You can trust us. We're the government. Don't worry. And we enforce it by decree. That's why it's called fiat. It's like by decree. Mm. So it's not, (laughs) it's, and that's all our systems. Like literally, every modern system is a fiat currency system. The Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve—all these central banks and all these powerful nations—it's it's backed by government debt. And we can see why you would want that if you were in the you know the the powerful players in the system. I should also note, any civilization in history—if you, you go like Roman Empire. Byzantine Empire, British Empire, like every any civilization, doesn't matter the scale, anyone that issued a fiat currency system has failed. Any system that debased its monetary system, remember the money is a technology, it's a glue that holds society together. Anytime you debase that or you fuck with it, those civilizations fail. Roman Empire, they debased their currencies. They started mixing copper in with gold. They started shaving off the edges of the, the coins so that they could have... Anytime this happens, it fucking fails. And it has to because it doesn't make fucking sense. You can't have proper economic coordination when you have a powerful player that can just distort the money supply because then we can't make proper decisions because it, it just distorts the entire market. Now, the, my point is, like, it's kind of crazy. Like, this is literally the financial system today. What are your thoughts? Is this... Like, can you even believe that this is
1: I'm does this even pissed. sound real? Royally <laughs> <Yeah>. pissed. <laughs> no, it's just, it's something that we're so used to that that's the norm for us. And it's hard yes. to think of other ways society would function without it. But the way that it is functioning now is doomed for failure. It's inevitable.
0: Essentially, yeah. Essentially. And essentially it is inevitable. That's the, that's the scary thing um but like they'll never say like no one will ever there'll be no government official that officially admits that because well you i mean you just you wouldn't you can't make it in that system if you have real opinions
1: that's why vote for iso 2036
0: (laughs) (laughs) if we're we're around (laughs) yeah everything (laughs) might (laughs) have collapsed by then we'll see Uh, And they do collapse, and uh, we'll talk about how the government defaults on its debt. I just want to go through some. um, At this point, like I don't know. I like I feel like my mind when I understood these facts was kind of blown. So I'm hoping, hopefully, listeners could follow that and it was explained well enough. But I want to talk about some of this history of central banks before we lead up to the Federal Reserve and how it was created, and like how these fiat systems failed like time and time again. like in powerful nations like and then we'll talk about the federal reserve um historically if you go through central banking it's kind of crazy uh there's like a general theme that emerges and this is i'm going to say the general theme and then i'm going to give examples of things that happen that like they literally fit it like a thumbprint like it's just it's just perfect or maybe that's not the right analogy like a glove fits a hand maybe that's better i don't know. Anyways. You have, when a central bank emerges, you need, this is how it happens. The government needs to finance its spending. There's like some kind of war, some other expansionary conquest that they need to do. They're like, we need more money. So they create a central bank to finance the government spending. And then to ensure the money is accepted by the people, the government enforces the bank notes or those receipts that we're talking about that were backed by gold. They force those receipts as legal tender. So because the government enforced it, now everyone has to use the money that's issued by the central bank. Now, what always happens, These is the the general outcomes. The central bank ends up issuing more paper money than there is real money in its vaults. Once the public notices, they demand their paper money to be redeemed. There's a run on the banking system that occurs, but the real money's not there, like we talked about, because of this fractional reserve system. The debased currency results in rapid inflation the government implements mandatory price controls to try quell the inflation. And we won't get into it here. But ultimately, there's a ton of reasons why that actually makes things worse. But due to these price controls, production ceases and the economy suffers because there's a shortage in supply of goods. So it further exacerbates the inflation problem. Um, Ultimately, where it always ends up, there's an economic decline that occurs. And this results in great wealth inequality. There's political discontent and extremism that emerges, and there's some kind of regime change or, or riots that occur. Now, let's, that's the general scheme. Let's go to 1694. Let's transport ourselves. The Bank of England. This is the, kind of the poster boy of modern central banking. <laughs> they, like, they, uh, they were the first to collude, well, not the first, but like one of the first to collude with governments to issue fiat currency. They used fiat notes to pay off their debts. And despite the notes being decreed as legal tender, the public rejected it. They're like, we don't want this. Like, We want our currency to be backed by gold. So they, they ultimately go back to the gold standard in 19, or sorry, 1696. So that's four years after they became a thing. So the Bank of England failed in 1692 to create a fiat monetary system. They failed completely. The public just was smart at the time and they rejected it. Next thing. 1707, the Bank of England, again, they go hard in the paint for fractional reserve banking practices. This time it takes some time. By 1797, shit's hitting the fan. So 90 years later, the public's demanding redemption in real money. Government steps in, say the Bank of England does not need to pay back gold. So now they've become a fiat system. The government's just like, no, just you have to accept this. Rapid inflation occurs. Price controls are put in place. Place. A deep depression and riots occur, and the Bank of England ultimately fails again in creating a fiat monetary system. 0 for 2. (laughs) 1716. Bank of France. They're given legal tender status. What happens? They begin issuing more notes than it has in its reserves. 1720. There's a massive run on the banks. Inflation becomes 50%. Banking in France becomes associated with fraud. It takes a half century to try make another central bank. It <laughs> fails. Again, 1776, Bank of France, the successor of the Bank of, Fran- of France, is created to fund a government war. What happens? Rapid inflation ensues in 1793. Price controls are implemented. This leads to massive food shortages, and there's massive uprisings that occur in 1794. So like 18 years, just 18 years after they go on the fiat standard. <laughs> Goes to shit. So France, 0 for 2. Let's talk about uh, (laughs) the U.S. Here's some historical examples. There's actually three, before the Federal Reserve, there was three um, instances of central banks in the United States. 1782, Bank of North America financed a revolutionary war. It was terminated at the end, so it actually wasn't so bad. They created it to fund the war and then got rid of it because they were smart. They understood this is stupid. They used it like as an emergency thing. Um, There was an intense central banking and fiat um, debate, uh, funny enough, between George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Um, Jefferson actually has a quote. He said, quote, a private central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army, end quote. The other quote Thomas Jefferson had, he said, quote, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt, end quote. So it's like kinda of, he kind of understood where the central banking leads. And this is like way, this is like how long ago is this? 250 years ago? <laughs> it seems like there's some wisdom that yeah. that we're missing. Um, fun fact, he just mentioned debt. Currently in the world, I think there's 303 trillion dollars in US debt, but there's only 40 trillion US dollars. How does that make sense? kind of goes back to when i was talking about the gold reserves and their issuance of receipts. It right now there's 260 trillion more receipts than there is money. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and the money's not backed by anything. There's it's not backed by gold. It's literally just backed by the government being like, "Hey man, I'm the government. Trust me. We got this." <laughs> so maybe the Thomas Jefferson actually had some insight what, what was it he said? We, we must not let our rulers load us with perpetual debt. Is $260 trillion perpetual debt or what? I don't know. Am I crazy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's...
0: Am I the only one who thinks that this, this doesn't seem right?
1: <laughs> yeah, when you lay it out huh. like that, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's crazy.
0: There is this motherfucker named Hamilton. he was uh he was all for central banks because he's a bitch he says quote no society could succeed which did not unite the interest and credit credit of rich individuals with those of the state end quote so he's like we gotta we gotta what the rich people want we gotta do that we got what we gotta help like they're the rich people they're the smart ones they're the best we gotta (laughs) get them involved that's what he's saying so what happens? 1791, Hamilton wins. They go with Hamilton. They create the first bank of the United States. This is the second central bank. <laughs> they just go and they go with him. They're like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. What happened? Oh, the currency depreciated by 72% in five years. Hmm. So anybody who was just holding cash just gets fucked by the government and shitty fractional reserve banking policies. Um, they literally made... Um, a private institution so they could circumvent the constitution, kind of what we were talking about earlier, so they could fund and print money for the aristocracy. Um, In 1811, so 20 years after it was made, so they already fucked the currency, debased it. It gets voted away. So people come to their senses. They're like, you know what? Maybe uh, Jefferson was right. Like, it kind of seems like this is stupid. It gets voted away and dissolves. 1812 to 1816, this was like the War of 1812 shit. The state bank gets fucked by doing fractional reserve banking um, practices. Riots ensue. People demand money, which didn't exist, and they make another central bank. So this is the second bank of the United States. This was the third central bank. Literally ends in fraud. The chairman was paying congressmen and accommodating members of the press using free money. Literally creates an economic contraction, contraction and blames Andrew Jackson for it. Kind of like I was saying, he prints a bunch of money, funds his fucking cronies, and then the economy goes to shit, and he's like, that guy, not me. <laughs> 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 and this is this was provably fraud. Like this, like literally the guy, it's just, just a bunch of fraud. So can we see the main point here? Essentially, the same process occurred every single time. Every time you try to make these central banks, currency gets debased, people get fucked, inflation goes on. Price controls, things get worse, riots ensue there's, ensue, there's regime changes, people suffer, there's food shortages. It's, it's the same shit every fucking time, and we're still doing this dance. So what happens next is this: United States creates a fourth central bank. They decide, they're like, hey, it didn't work any other time. Let's do it again. <laughs> they, they make the Federal Reserve, and this is currently where we are. Here we go. Does, before I get into the origins of the Federal Reserve, do you have any reflections on like just the central bank like history like like
1: I don't know. It doesn't it make you sad? Like It does make me sad, but also I think it's just like human nature to kind of fraud who you can <laughs> to get your way. Essentially, <laughs> like I honestly think that's yeah. human nature. Because how else? Yeah, I don't know. It it Absolute is it is stupid that corrupts. we can't like learn once and just move on. Humans are stupid, or they just power corrupts. Really, is what you, that's what. Any time that's what it is.
0: You centralize power. You centralize power. You're 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 giving certain individuals more power. They abuse it. It just, it's just—it's the story as old as time. It just keeps happening. Um, but it's crazy because, like, you know, I didn't—I didn't actually know that there was this many attempts before the Federal Reserve, like in other nations and shit, and they—they they go to shit. Um, Counter argument to that, they'd be like, pe- some people might be like, "Well, they're not that shitty today," and it's like, "Well,
1: well, they're a lot better at hiding it." <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, and they have more instances of control in well, i mean many ways
1: it's just reps you know they've done it so many times you get good at it <laughs> deceiving the public and now they've been able to deceive us for like 110 years 112 years yeah
0: yeah, yeah. um let's talk about the, this is this the next thing i'm gonna say here this is the origins of the federal reserve and this sounds like a fucking like horror story Do you want to know the island, what the island was called that the Federal Reserve was um, founded on? It's called Jekyll Island. Just so the the, the, what happens, November 1910, there's seven men that are a part of an exclusive club. It's called the Jekyll Island Club off the coast of Georgia. So the members of the Jekyll Island Club, they controlled one-sixth of the entire world's wealth in 1910. <laughs> so these seven men, this is Senator Nelson Aldrich, Treasury Secretary A. P. andrew and then there was five Wall Street bankers that were there. There's a guy named Benjamin Strong, Henry Davison, Arthur Shelton, Frank Vanderclip, Charles D. Norton, and Paul Wahlberg. Or not Wahlberg, Warburg. They all meet on Jekyll Island. So the aristocracy. People who control the money, they meet. Not JP Morgan? a fucking Morgan? island. Not JP Morgan. <laughs> he wasn't there. He, major force in, in the Federal Reserve creation, wasn't at the, the actual meeting on Jekyll Island. Mm, okay. But, you know, he played a big role. Um, essentially what happens, to sway public opinion towards the institution of creating a new central bank, a lot of manipulation had to happen because the public... It's ripe in their eye, like the history of the past central bank failures is more um, present to them, right? Because they're like, well, didn't we do this like a bunch of times and it failed like three times? Yeah. So they, there's some public swaying that needs to be done. So banks contributed five million to a special education fund. This money found its way to Princeton, Harvard, and the University of Chicago. And it kind of influenced opinion. So thought leaders in society, the or, or you could say members of the intelligentsia, huh? word of the podcast, they start influencing how people perceive central banking. Now further, there was professors that received funding grants and favors in exchange for creating politically convenient research. Um, so what I mean by that is in such ways as anything that like, A common thing that central banks use, like, well, if we keep inflation at 2%, we stimulate the economy. So then you have all these professors like, we got to stimulate the economy. Yeah, (laughs) It's good for the economy to stimulate it. And it's like, no, fuck off, man. Like, we just talked every time you print money, I lose, I lose wealth. You cite, it's a secret tax. And they're like, no, it's not. (laughs) It's fucking going to stimulate the economy. So they're paying, that's what I'm saying. They're like paying the thought leaders to like basically do a dance and like say shit that's convenient to central banking. Rockefeller, major banking interest, donated 50 million to endow a fund called the National Citizens League. So basically, they're essentially a public think tank was funded by bankers that favored bankers. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, what the fuck? So that's what's going on. Uh, And that was directly results of the meetings at Jekyll Island. Now, I also want to mention, so words like central and banking, these were like conveniently replaced in a lot of um, the common, common... speech of the time and they were replaced with words such as federal and reserves because this was kind of like a strategy to limit the, the public outcry because like I was saying the f- past failings of central banking it was more present in 1910 than it is now like people were just like wasn't well, yeah, like th- we had three central bank failures like why would we do that and they're like well it's not a central bank it's a federal reserve hmm. which funny enough here we go again the federal reserve it is neither federal and it has no reserve. <laughs> so it's like um, So my main point here that I'm making is, through a carefully planned campaign of persuasion and by hijacking academic leaders um, who get, engage in societal thought distribution, these wealthy members of the modern aristocracy, they were able to create the Federal Reserve on December 23rd, 1913.
1: Also interesting to note that date, it's like right before Christmas, even people that could vote against it, maybe aren't present in the voting process in the government. So
0: that's a good point.
1: Yeah. They're just like, okay, we're going to get our people to make sure that they're there that day to pass this bill or whatever.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a convenient time. Hey, Mm -hmm. like, like, yeah, take your holidays, dude. Like just. You guys all get you guys all get the week off at Christmas. Yeah, nothing major is gonna, gonna happen. It's great. Nothing's gonna happen. And it's just like these six guys <laughs> <laughs> signed through all this shit. Pretty much. That's JP that's Morgan sinks the Titanic and takes out the people opposing the central bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Patreon episode number twenty-five. You can listen to that episode. We did actually talk a little bit about that. Shameless plug. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I kind of compressed. Um, the Jekyll Island story, there's actually like entire books written about it and it's crazy, but it's kind of, it's just like sinister. You have like fucking seven people like show up to an Island and like, it's like private and like everyone, like one sixth of the economy of the entire world is in the members of that club. And they're just like, yeah, like we're going to like completely control money if we do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they did and they still do. Um. Okay federal reserve let's talk about when they leave the gold standard and this is like kind of the ultimate control of the money supply because there's there's nothing stopping the issuance of money not even um not even a commodity which which we could consider backing um the supply of receipts i guess and the receipts are just cash essentially but not like literal cash but like just just money period yeah because like everything's like digitized now but Now, we understood like when I was going through things earlier, like why gold was converged on and why it was so important as like a medium of exchange. Um, But this is going to, I'm going to try not keep this too complicated, but when things were on the gold standard, so when banks actually had to keep reserves of people's gold, which was used as a monetary exchange because it had those properties that made it a good technology for money, there's kind of trade-offs that occur because of that. And we don't need to go into the depth of why this is the case, but we do need to understand the trade-off. The trade-off is between international and domestic interests when you're operating on a gold standard. So basically what I'm saying here is if you're on a gold standard, you're kind of it forces countries to adhere to a trade-off. You can have low interest rates in a booming economy domestically. So if you have interest rates low, your economy is going to be doing really, really well. Or you can have high interest rates, and it's going to lead to more gold reserves coming into the system. So you're going to have um, an increased monetary dominance on an international stage. You cannot have both. This is a trade-off. So when you're a central bank, like the Federal Reserve, which at the time when it was created, it wasn't the world reserve currency of the world. Um, Britain was in control, like the pound. Yeah, yeah. So my point is, we just have to understand that there's a trade off. You can have, you can't have both. You can have like a really good economy, or you can have like a bad economy, but you have international dominance. Yeah. that's my only point I want to make. We don't need to get into why. I want to boil happened. it
1: down as well. Okay, like the low interest rate means people borrow money or yes. cash in this case, and then they like invest it into the economy. So more jobs are being created. People are spending. You know, the economy is growing. But then with high interest rates, like you're getting that money back. So that's kind of trade off.
0: Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's like more, you don't want to borrow money at that point. Cause it's like, it's, you might not, if you you can be, you have your margin of error is like less. So there is some, uh, evidence, well, not some evidence. There's a lot of, there's conjecture that the federal reserve caused the great depression. Um, and the, the reason being is there's that trade off that we have. You can have a low interest rate in a booming economy or a high interest rate and kind of like your monetary supply will be more stable. So you have like international dominance. So the Fed, they chose to raise interest rates, knowing that it would plunge the country into the greatest depression in history. And you might be like, well, why? Why would they do that? Why would they do that? well, why do people fuck everything up anyway? Like it's, it's the will to power, per se. Britain, which was the world power at the time, um, they were struggling. Like The pound was like the, the, the reserve currency of the day. They had so much debt that they abandoned the gold standard. So they became a fiat currency, and we know what happens when things become a fiat currency. The U.S. decided that this was a good time to prioritize an international objective of preserving a strong currency, which would get them an edge over Britain. So what they did, they increase interest rates. They More gold comes in to the country. It stabilizes the currency. They have an edge because they have a better monetary, more stable monetary system. U.S. money supply decreases um, by one third when they do this because you have a contraction, because there's less debt because of the interest rate going up. This leads to 5,000 bank failures. <laughs> the stock market loses 80% of its value and 12 million people go unemployed. What happens next? There's a run on the banks to redeem gold and it's hardcore. They're in doing fractional reserve banking. They can't handle this. The banking system's collapsing. The Great Depression. Hmm. And it's like we're talking, remember earlier, we're like the goal of the Fed is to create stability. Is it? Or is it to kind of like achieve like power yeah. kind of seems like at all costs like power is really the the motivating factor because otherwise you wouldn't have you wouldn't have been like oh this is a great opportunity to seize power you would have like put your citizens needs ahead as a central planner like you would have been like this is good we should let's let's not yeah <laughs> plunge into a depression by arbitrarily raising interest rates because we control the money supply just so we can get an edge on our competitor but they did. So there's like, okay, so Great Depression, thanks Federal Reserve. That was, that's good. That's, that's smart. And, you know, it's like 20 years after they're, only 20 years after they were instantiated in like 1913, they're already creating the world's greatest depression. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
1: fuck, bro. And another thing to note, like at the time, Britain was probably struggling because they, the war, World War One just finished. Yes. So they had a lot of debt to pay and rebuilding and you know yet 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 that's, had money in the system
0: exactly that's yeah. why they went off the gold standard cuz they're like i can just print money and just it doesn't need to be i don't need any reserves yeah. i can just make the money <laughs> um and they did now what happens next okay this is this is fucking hardcore shit <laughs> um so franklin d roosevelt fdr he just steals all the gold <laughs> <laughs> he just uh, he just takes all the gold. It, 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 we'll, we'll we'll talk about this for a bit here. So the Federal Reserve, um, this is this is like after um they raised interest rates. This is like after the Great Depression, um, or somewhat. There's still some residual Great Depression, but largely after. So the Federal Reserve, they they they're just like in in every state, they just suspend banking operations. They're like banks are done. Bank holiday. Um, when they reopen the banks. Federal D. Roosevelt issues orders to prevent prevent banks from redeeming gold and ordering them to return the gold in their vaults to the Federal Reserve. So all the commercial banks in the United States that have gold in their reserves, all that gold moves out of the commercial banks into the Federal Reserve. So it all comes into one place. What else do they do? They call what's called Executive Order 6102. This comes into effect. It mandates that all citizens exchange their gold immediately. It's illegal to have gold as a citizen. But, oh, hey, we're the government. Don't worry. We're just going to seize all your gold, but we're going to give you $20.67 per ounce. We're not really stealing it. Yeah. Like, we just want to have it. And it says, by the way, it's illegal for you to have it. If you do have it, we'll fine you and put you in jail. But we'll give you 20 bucks if you want it. You know, at, at the time, that's a lot of money. Right? That's a lot of money at the time. Sure, I'll give them that. So uh, the good citizens are like, yeah, our government, let's like they they need the gold. Let's give them the gold. We're gonna get $20. Let's just give them the gold. So they give them the gold. It all gets placed in the Fed. Um, and I want to note they didn't actually need to do this because reserves were actually pretty high at the time. They were 51%. So 51% of the banks um had gold in their like the fractional reserve they'd only loan out 49% extra receipts, which is still crazy in my opinion, yeah. but it's not like 98%. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, the, the legal mandate at the time was 35%, and they were at 51 And And there was a lot of evidence that things were recovering. But remember what I said, never let a good crisis go to fucking waste. So we're in the Great Depression. So they, they seize all the gold. They're like, we got to get the gold in, stabilize shit. 1934, Congress passes the Gold Reserve Act So all the gold that was rounded up at the Federal Reserve, they just transfer it to the U.S. government through that act. They're like, like, they seize all the fucking gold and then they hand it through this act to the government. And what do they do next? What does the government do? Oh, they sell the gold on the international market at $35 an ounce. (laughs) So they nationalized all the gold. They which is a, a euphemism for stealing it. They they took it all all the cent commercial banks couldn't have gold, brought it to the Fed. Citizens couldn't even have you couldn't have a fucking gold coin, you couldn't have a fucking gold necklace. You had to give it to the Federal Reserve. But they paid you 20 bucks. And then they sold it for 35. Wow. They profited three billion dollars. They made if you adjust that for today's purchasing power, they made $65.4 billion. And what did I say in 2019 was the most profitable company in the world? It was like $55 billion. Yeah. Also the Federal Reserve. What did they just do? They just made $65.4 billion in today's purchasing power because hmm. they stole all the gold. Interesting, huh? 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 For isn't that a better, safer financial system? How's your fucking financial system safe when base money is just seized from you? (laughs) It's just appropriated. I don't know. Yeah. Am I fired up? I don't know. I'm not I don't know.
1: That's fucked. (laughs) It's
0: it's pretty fucked. (laughs) Um so what happens next? This kind of causes European a lot of other European countries to abandon the gold standard. So they start doing like fiat currency shit. Um, again, fiat currency, that's your money's not backed by anything. It's just backed by government debt. Um so all these other countries, their their own currencies are devaluing. Um, but the u s, they're just winning. like the u s. is just winning at this point because they have, you know, at the cost of their domestic citizens who they stole from, they did at by doing this play, they did become de facto world reserve currency. Because everyone else's currencies were decreasing because they went off gold standards. Because, Like you were saying, because of wars and things like this, their currencies are devaluing because they went fiat. Um, U.S., still on gold standard, took all the gold and made money. So they, they become the reserve currency, essentially. Not officially right now, but essentially. Yeah. So that was like what FDR did. It was like kind of a power play.
1: Um, and it's not like they sold their gold. They just sold receipts to it. Internationally, right?
0: I probably yeah. yeah. I don't think they're they were like, like we're going to hold the
1: gold, but here you can you can buy a claim to it for thirty five dollars an ounce. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: Um. So what happens next? Let's talk about the Bretton Woods Conference and uh, what the fuck happened in nineteen seventy one. So nineteen forty four. Uh. This is similar to, like, you know, Jekyll Island was, like, an exclusive, like, war, like, all these wealthy people come in to, like, create a central bank. In 1944, something similar happens, but it's, like, international. So the most relevant developed countries, they all meet um, to organize the monetary policy of the entire world. And recall, remember I was saying the U.S. becomes, like, not officially, but essentially the, the reserve currency. So they're in the driver's seat at this meeting. They have the most sound monetary policy, and they also have the strongest military. So they're like they're kind of like swinging their dick at this fucking uh, Bretton Woods conference. At this conference, they create the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank that's formed out of Australia, Bretton Woods, in 1944. Now, um, some things that happen... So all countries can convert dollars, so U.S. dollars, 35 U.S. dollars, into an ounce of gold, and officially the U S dollar becomes the world reserve currency. So if you have 35 U S dollars, you can redeem that for one ounce of gold. The U S government promises we fucking promise. And they, that's what they said. They're like, we will, you have 35 U S dollars. Well, you can get gold for it. And everyone's like, yeah, U S you're the world reserve currency. Here we go. <laughs> and we can't say anything different. Cause you have the strongest military and like the most sound money. Yeah. So <laughs> We'll just agree. Um, by 1966, there was 14 billion U.S. dollars in held in non-U.S. banks, so other countries holding U.S. dollars, but only 3.2 billion dollars in gold backing it. Again, fractional reserve banking system, same shit, except the U.S. central bank is like doing it to the world. <laughs> Because they can, like they could, they just like, why wouldn't like you know? They're like, well, fuck you, like yeah. take our shit money, like fuck you. Uh. <sighs> um, this is absurd. Like, what's that? That's like more than that's more than four times. There's more. There's more than four times debt versus actual gold. Yeah, it's insane. So what happens? Um, so again, this is like 22 years after Bretton Woods conference. West Germany is just like, fuck this. They leave. Then Switzerland's like, how much fucking are you issuing? It's more than four times? Yeah. Switzerland leaves. France France is like, like you know, they're like, this is, uh, you know, France, the French people get a lot of shit for like surrendering. That's like a common joke <laughs> or, you know, cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. France actually showed up with a military boat to the U.S. and took their gold. They're like, fuck you. Give me my gold. I don't trust that you're handling this system correctly that we agreed on. They show up with a military boat to take to seize their gold back. <laughs> um, cool. What happens next? Yeah, I know. So it was bald. They just like show right up. They're like knocking on the door Hey, <laughs> you're full of shit. Can I have my fucking gold? Or, or like, here's my military boat. Uh, what happens next is insane. 1971. It's called the Nixon shock. The US government literally defaults on all of its debts. <laughs> So, like I was saying, they only have 3.2 billion gold versus, you know, 14 billion issued. Yeah. So you, there's more claims on gold than possible. Yeah. And th- the world is realizing we aren't getting our gold back. So the US, what do they do? They're like, yeah, we're not giving the gold back. We're just gonna go off the gold standard. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, so what happens? You can no longer redeem. For 35 us dollars an ounce of gold you can't get gold anymore they're like yeah we're just, you know what we said we're just not doing that anymore like we're just not we're just not going to do that Fuck you and they didn't they go pure fiat currency this is what happens in 1971. the federal reserve they just fully they're like fuck it we're done pure fiat currency you can no longer redeem dollars for gold and I should say, this was, this was, Nixon said that this was a temporary measure. Um, let me see, what, what's the year today? What's the year? 2022? <laughs> so more than five decades later, this is still policy? <laughs> um, there's, there's nothing more permanent than when a government says that there's a temporary measure. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah. Never knew that. Hmm. <laughs> So wait, 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 let's just, I just want to recap first. They, FDR in the 30s, so F- Federal Reserve causes the Great Depression. Fuck everyone. Then they take everyone's gold and sell it for a profit. Then be, then they convince the world, oh yeah, we're the world reserve con- co- currency. We have the most sound money and the biggest military, so fuck you. And people are like, yeah, sure. They start engaging in fractional reserve banking. The debt's way, way greater than there are reserves. People are starting being like calling them out on it and instead of you know being responsible or i don't know what they're just like yeah fuck you we're just going off the gold standard yeah we can't pay it we fucked up we printed more money than we had (laughs) (laughs) oh but don't worry it's temporary we'll solve it we'll sort it out And like five decades later here we are (laughs) thanks federal reserve um I want to give a shout out uh, there's a this website it's called what the fuck happened in 1971.com <laughs> basically it's like a group of guys and all they do is document monetary charts from 1971 to today and it's like the in- most insane shit like there's hundreds of charts showing like how like unemployment like increases like just anything bad you can think of increasing since 1971. And they just track it and document it. So as soon as we went off like a sound or a more sound monetary policy, mm-hmm. all these issues, highly recommend just like giving a browse through what the fuck happened in 1971.com. Cause like it's it's crazy. It's insane. And it, it it it's like almost perfect. It's like as soon as as soon as you go into a fiat currency system, like everything goes to shit. But we just don't even like think about it like that. We like to blame other things. We're like, oh, it's like this this is happening or the greedy capitalists or this and that it's like no man it's the fucking aristocracy fucking with the money yeah okay i'm gonna give a summary and then uh, maybe we'll do final thoughts so basically what i've said so far all societies that converge on gold because it's, it has superior monetary properties that we talked about scarcity durability recognizability portability divisibility central authorities in government they just suck they start appropriating people's wealth so people are like, fuck you, we're going to put our gold into a third-party custodian. Um, those third-party custodians, they're just like, well, you know, we can make a lot of money if we just do fractional reserve banking. It's profitable, they're making money. So despite it, you have this fragile system that emerge emerges that's extremely profitable, but extremely fragile. Um, it doesn't really work because runs in the banks keep collapsing. So the government's like, hey, we can collude with you. And then We'll just back your currency with debt and we'll just command that our country uses it as legal tender. Then you can still be profitable as fuck. We can be profitable as fuck and it works. Here we go. So this is when central banks emerge. We see central banks fail historically because it's fucking stupid. They create inflation. They create price controls. They create rise. They create turmoil. Um, despite all this, the Fed is created, causes the Great Depression. FDR steals all the gold, profits immensely. While simultaneously causing the U.S. to become the world reserve currency, Bretton Bretton Woods Conference causes, you know, solidifies the world reserve currency, and then the U.S. defaults on all of its debt and creates a fiat currency system entirely controlled by the Federal Reserve and the central planners, and it exists to this day. That's where we're at. That's the Federal Reserve. So I don't know, Izo, what do you think? What do you think? What's going on here? I think... Like, am I just wrong? Like, am I wrong? Am I just, like, a crazy internet conspiracy theorist? Or is this,
1: no, like... No, uh, I think you're absolutely <laughs> 100% correct in your biases towards the Federal Reserve. I mean, history repeats itself, and it's... Yeah. I don't know. I've already, like, kind of sprinkled in my thoughts throughout Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, (laughs) it just doesn't seem like there's a way to win with humans involved (laughs) and governments really, um, like, even though like individually we all want power and money and to like, you know, be comfortable and the same thing applies for governments. They just do it on a scale where they can manipulate millions of people that kind of trust them and rely on them to give them that sense of stability in life and have society running as normal, but really it's just the guys at the top manipulating things to fill their pockets, make themselves more powerful. And it, like, if you think about it on an individual scale, like, okay, it happens with like companies and like entrepreneurs, but then governments do it because they want to become the world reserve currency. Yeah. So they be the most and powerful. We're all one. stuck. It's just you a know, big dick We're all stuck suffering.
0: We, we take the burden of this, um, essentially, we, we, through inflation, yeah. through collapsed financial systems. I mean, we live, you know, we're in Canada. We're pretty stable, like, you know, G7 nation. That's not the case for most countries. What about um, countries that um, they're dollarized? So these are countries such as, um, let's use El Salvador as an example. They use the U.S. dollar as a currency in their country, but they have no control over the printing of that money. So when the federal reserve creates dollars for the government to, to, for government expenditure, El Salvador, their currency decreases in value and they have no say in that. So all these people, they suffer the consequences and there's many dollarized countries. They have no control over the money spigot. They don't have, they're not, in, they're, they're not. Their governments are. Their governments and people are completely separate from the U.S. citizens and the U.S. government, and they suffer. So, like, yeah, these 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 countries, like, they have no. They're completely different. Like, they're not U.S. citizens. They're not the U.S. government, but they suffer the the ramifications of the printing of money from the Federal Reserve. Like, literally, that's not even to say other countries. Like, other countries do suffer as well. Like. Even right now, like Canada's dollar is like debasing relative to the U.S. dollar. Um, You know, for us, it's it's mild. It's just like it's kind. It's like a little siphoning, but it's still happening. It's not right. Um, but I agree with your point. Like this is kind of a a tendency of authority and central centralization of power. It's like a human nature thing. And you're you're saying like governments will always engage in this like and humans will always this is kind of like a, an outcome it seems like power essentially and like, I don't want to get too much into it but I mean the purpose like there, there are systems out there right now that the whole premise is to counter the government like this this fiat currency system you know like cryptocurrency like bitcoin sounds crazy but like there's some that's the principle is it's like instead of allowing human nature to govern and like trust to govern just trust the software it's going to do the same shit every time and it can't be changed you know what i mean so there's kind of like we're instead of abstracting to government to control monetary policy we abstract to code and you can trust code (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, if you yes. think about it, like you run simulations because it's going to follow the rules that you set 100% of the time. So if you can set the rules where nobody has control, it just operates how it should 100% of the time, you kind of put that system into like normalcy. Like, yeah. And it'll be constant and, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, my final thoughts here, like, I don't want to make this a Bitcoin fucking podcast, but like my point being is I, I want to give some kind of like, it sounds very depressing. Like there is no way out of a system like this. You kind of just have to accept it. But I, my point that I would like to make is I think technology can solve a lot of issues that terrible systems have. Um, and I think that's something to look forward to, like looking at things positively. So let me just give an example, quick. So back in the day, like church and state were the same thing. The church controlled everything. The clergymen they had the power of God. They're you know they're like God issued me this power. Blah blah blah. It's like appeals to God and like religion for power. Um, a simple technology, very by today's standards, extremely simple, but at the time revolutionary. The printing press printing press gets created. It distributes knowledge. It decentralizes knowledge. So instead of these clergymen um, saying they have absolute power because of the Bible or whatever the fuck they want to say, people start reading the Bible. People start becoming more literate. They start learning to read and write. It becomes common. Knowledge is not expensive anymore. Knowledge is free and distributed. You have philosophy. People become smarter. The Renaissance, the Enlightenment, all enabled because of the printing press. What happens? The printing press separated church and state. That stupid fucking system of serfs and you the ultimate authority to the king because he has God endowed him with this and like, this is our system. Terrible system to be a serf. Terrible system to be a peasant. You have no control. One piece of technology collapses the entire fucking system. The printing press. My point being today, we have technology like this. Um, we do. We actually do. We have encryption technology that does this. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't want to, hey, if people want to do a fucking Bitcoin podcast, let me fucking know. I will fucking do it. I would love to do that. <laughs> but my point is we have technology today that takes, separates money from state in the same way yeah. the printing press separated church and state. We have technology today. I'm not saying it's going to happen in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. It could be, it could be 100 years. Money will be separated from the state. There will no longer be a ruling aristocracy that controls the money supply and any government expenditure that happens, any fucking forever war that a government wants to finance, they can't finance it anymore once these systems are adopted. And I don't think people aren't aware of this because we're not aware of the system. We're not taught how this system is. Like, we are not... It's just so funny. Like we're taught, like, yeah, this is like you have a say, you can always change. You'd be the change you want to see. It's like, no, you have actually no power in the system. And you never Mm -hmm. fucking will. That's how I feel. Like, I have no power over if the government wants to print four trillion dollars and do whatever the fuck they want. I have no say over that. I just have to hope to God that whatever the hell the government's doing, I might agree with, but I don't in most cases. Most cases, we're talking war. We're talking slaughter. We're talking innocent people. We're talking suffering countries. We're talking—it's not good. greater marginalization. yeah. It, it makes me extremely upset. Even yeah, even domestically, your your, your most vulnerable citizens are are, are yeah. going to be fucked.
1: It's funny. The systems I don't know. have been in place forever. Like I, I, I want to touch on like the church and state thing as well. Like even churches were corrupt, like getting people to pay for their admittance to heaven. Also, when churches borrowed money from the bank, they said um, it's like against God's will to pay interest. Literally, like they said that so they didn't have to pay back interest on their loans.
0: (laughs) It's it's, it's just one of those, it's a get out of jail free card. Yeah. You have a system where religion is dominant in the thought and you can just be like, I have to do this because God. Yeah. It's kind of similar to today. We don't appeal to God anymore. What we appeal to is the greater good. We're like, a government will do anything. Yeah. Anything. And all they will say, all they have to say, and people will eat it fucking up. We're doing it for the greater good. Do you not <laughs> believe in the greater good? Do you not believe in the safety of everyone? The greater good. Please, believe more. Stop being so selfish. It's for the greater good. It's the same thing as the fucking clergyman or the king being like God, but we no <laughs> one we don't see it like that. The majority of society is not structured like that. The I believe, I I honestly even just talking right now. If this was a snippet, I just people would be like, oh, this is a tinfoil hat guy, and I'm like, no, actually, I think this is how things are. Yeah, and it sucks because it feels like the wool gets pulled off from you, and you're like in this system. You're like, oh, this is how it works. Yep. And, and like you you're screaming, you're screaming and no one hears you. <laughs> and you're yeah. just like, holy fuck people. Like it's, it's insane. That's kind of how I feel. Like it's especially doing a topic like this, which admittedly, normally we say we don't know anything about these topics. This is one that I knew a lot about um, and have like a history with in a sense. <laughs> um, so my point is, it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, as a final thought here, it's like, it's very disturbing for me. It's very disturbing. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, like, I don't know. I think I just like sometimes even, uh, you know, at a dinner conversation, people be like, well, get the price of gas. It's pretty crazy. Like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, motherfucker, sit down. And I try <laughs> like explain what's happening. And they're just like, that's not right. Like if that was right, there'd be public outcry. It's like, well, no, because you just eat all the, you just eat shit. You just eat the shit. You eat the shit. <laughs> stop eating the shit. And they're like, mm, 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 shit. Mm. And everyone just eats the shit. And I'm just like, I don't want to stop. Can we stop eating the shit? And they're like, no. Mm. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> oh, God. It, I don't know. It just fucking blows my mind. This is why I'm like crazy all the time. And my eye twitches and shit. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't want any more shit. Yeah.
0: Um, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just yeah i just have to keep eating it and just like i have i have no i just no say other than like complaining occasionally
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and they're like and then like i'm just like that guy they're just like don't talk to that guy like he's just avoid that guy i'm
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> just the crazy guy Go back to sleep. I wish I could go back to sleep. I can't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Fuck. I don't know. Are we rolling out of this? I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad listeners uh, voted on this one. I I, I was surprised, honestly. Like, I didn't think it was going to win that vote out of those three.
1: No, I didn't either. But it did must be the so, times we're living in.
0: Yeah, it's got it. something. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we'll we can roll out of this. Um, thank you to Sidestepping the Sun, a Canadian rock band that made the intro and outro music to the podcast. Um, also, shout out, as always, Al, you fucking hot sauce. Greatest hot sauce. I just like spicy food, and I think if you like spicy food, you're going to like the hot sauce. I eat it. Um, almost every day it's habanero based and there's no calories. So it adds flavor to all your food and you don't have to worry about calories. You can add flavor to shit. I want to say, um, I want to just, you know, we'll just update listeners on some shit. We are on, I, I, Izzo maybe, I don't think I even told you about this. Maybe I did. We had, um, a listener give an email. I know I did. We gave sent an email out to, uh, El Ucateco Hot Sauce, there's a great email. Shout out to Horatio Wolf for that again. Um, and El Yucateco actually knows who we are. They responded. They're like, yeah, we, we know the Swerve podcast, and we think they're hilarious, and we love the enthusiasm. So El knows who sauce, we are. Yeah. We are on their radar. And I just want to say, shout out to the listeners who have been pinging them or tagging us in whatever notifications, because we're actually on their radar now. And that's incredible because we're just shouting them out. And as soon as we can get that fucking hot sauce sponsorship, I'm sending everyone fucking hot sauce. So here we go.
1: you are going to base our currency on hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the
0: currency collapses, we, well, it's a commodity that can be traded. <laughs>
1: Oh my God. Like it's salt <laughs> Just imagine that. Just like start a million st- people, like, oh, I'm really good at podcasting. Can I trade that for anything? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, start stockpiling your salt. <laughs> Every time you go out, take a couple packets of salt and put it yeah. in a jar. <laughs> um, what else do we have to say here, Izzo?
1: All think- shout out. Shout out, again, uh, our Patreon. So if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, we have 25 more episodes currently in our Patreon, maybe more, at least 25 in our uh, Patreon that you can access for just $1 a day. So not $1 a day, $1 a month. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, inflation. So it's... Yeah, exactly. uh, (laughs) dollar a month and you'll get access to all those bonus episodes uh for three dollars a month you can join the slap the ass here and it'll give you access to those bonus episodes but you will also get all of our main and patreon episodes a few days before anyone else so you'll be in the know and it's a good way to support us you know there's other ways to support us um so that one was patreon.com slash the Swerve Podcast. There's other ways like buymeacoffee.com or just simply reaching out to us, telling your friends about it, your family, subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any way you want. Uh, really helps us grow. Just word of mouth as well. And yeah, we appreciate the support that we've already gotten on Instagram and Facebook. That's where you'll find most of our stuff, our drink posts. Uh, we're always available to talk to if you have a topic recommendation or a drink recommendation, just DM us and we'll be sure to respond to it. We've even had a few people reach out and like tell us their stories with yeah, like alien interactions. It's crazy, uh, but it's so cool. And we really appreciate everyone taking the time to reach out. Um it gives us purpose, really, for continuing the podcast. Yeah, hundred um, percent.
0: I think we also have. Oh, yeah, we're still we're still giving out stickers to those who want a free sticker pack. Um, we I think we only really say it at the end because we want to give it to the people that actually listen to us. <laughs> but here it is. Here's the plug. We give away a sticker pack. We have three weatherproof stickers and we'll send them out to you for free. All you have to do is DM us a screenshot of you leaving a five-star written review on Apple Podcast, and we'll send them out to you for free. Um, you, you don't, I know some people don't have Apple Podcast, so you can just make a case for yourself. So we've had listeners in the past. They're like, hey, we subscribed. I subscribed on YouTube. I liked you on Facebook. I followed you on Instagram. Um, I like all your shit. Send me stickers, and we do. So if you, you can make a case for yourself if you don't listen to Apple Podcasts. And honestly, it's not very difficult. Like, if, <laughs> you, if you did anything for us and just said that and sh- proved it, we would probably send you stickers. So that is still available while supplies last. And oh, what else do I have to say? Oh, yeah, because this one might be one of those ones that gets canceled <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, if you are wondering, like you're listening, to, you've listened to all of our episodes, and you're like, "Hey, what the fuck? Like, where's episode thirty nine? Or like, whatever, because we have episodes that are not on YouTube or or they're they're completely censored. You can find all of our all of our episodes on Bitshoot It's like YouTube but shittier, but it's doesn't censor shit. Or on odyssey.com, which is a uh, platform based on blockchain technology, which also doesn't censor us. So all of our content is there at those two websites. Um. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have anything else to say. This was a long one. We could. We'll just route
1: roll out or what? Yeah. Just once again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, help us grow. Uh, tell your friends, family. Reach out if you have any topics. That's pretty much it. Thank you for listening. Fuck yeah. Slap that you- ass. And ride the wave.
0: funny enough, here we go again, the Federal Reserve is neither federal and it has no reserve. (laughs) So, it's like,